Welcome to NFP, the Non-Fungible Podcast, with your host, D. Klein. On today's episode, I speak with Todd McFarland Toys Product Manager, Trevor Dietz. We talk about the triple AIP of the Spawn universe, launching a series of physical and digital collectibles this year in December. We talk about the details of the physical and digital launch, future plans for interacting with collectibles and displaying the assets, and of course, the process of onboarding new users. Hey, this is NFP, the non-fungible podcast with me, D. Klein. Today's episode is brought to you by the Koi Network. Koi makes minting NFTs super easy and inexpensive. Just drag and drop your file using their NFT wallet, Finny, and Koi takes care of the rest. Minting costs as little as one cent, so you can create as many NFTs as you want. And when they're viewed by other people, you even earn Koi tokens that you can use to fund your next series. Check it out at koii.network. Trevor Dietz, McFarland Toys Digital. I'm very excited to have you join me here today. We were, I was talking with uh, Jessica from Rarible, mm-hmm. and McFarland Toys is doing this whole ramp up into digital collectibles on the Polygon network. Yes. Some pretty cool stuff. Now, before we start a full conversation here, just so listeners know, like, when I was, what would that have been, 18, 19? I was still heavy, heavy into collecting comics. And some of my favorite comics I ever collected were Todd McFarlane's Spider-Man comics. And I still I still have them safely oh, yeah. burrowed away. Yeah. I mean, he's an Very icon cool. in the space. Yeah. And it's cool to be a part of this. And also, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, yeah, this is, I'm really excited to talk about what we've been building. That's awesome. I was, as a teenager, so into comics that instead of having my parents pay me a cash allowance, they instead purchased our comics for us. We had like the the monthly subscription at the local comic book store or whatever it was. Maybe it was more than once a month that we went. We'd go down there on our bikes and uh, we'd pick up our monthly nice. uh, pile of mostly Marvel comics um, at the time. Um, and... Uh, it was a huge part of my childhood, my teenage years, comic books. Awesome. No, that's yeah. great. I mean, he, yeah, it's like, that's part of, it's one of the defining things of Todd McFarlane. It's like, he is, he is one of the, one of the, one of the biggest, if not the biggest um, creators, artists, like visionaries in this space. And yeah. And then McFarlane Toys, I think was as, as a company, it's like the way that we've just like, I've heard described because I wasn't there since the beginning. Um, mm-hmm. They've been around for almost 30 years now. I think it was founded in 1994. Um, basically the whole idea was, can we take the quality, like the quality of like the stuff that was out there in the co- collecting space um, and the toy collecting space was kind of mediocre at that time. And McFarlane yep. Toys came in at that time, in the physical space and wanted to really elevate that and make everything just like better higher quality sexier whatever you want to whatever you want to call it and i think right. also that's the same thing that todd applies to the comics as well it's like how do we how do you elevate this 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 storied medium that's been around even at that point by for 50 60 70 years how do you elevate and make it even better and yep. that's like that is such a like guiding philosophy to what we do Mm-hmm. Now, just to clarify, I wasn't still getting allowance for my parents when I was 18, 19 years old, collecting comics. <laughs> just, you know, just so people know. All right. 
just uh, just was... because you're worried what the the the, uh, the comments on the uh, Spotify or YouTube are going to be. You were getting allowance when you were 19. <laughs> no, by that point in time, I was uh, already you know earning my own uh, money for university and all that stuff. But yeah, no, I I just you know my brother and I were super into comics as kids. We we made our own comics, and many, much of it was inspired by that era, you know, yeah. of uh, comic books. And uh, I, I I remember I remember the it was right around that time when I was nineteen twenty that kind of age where the Todd McFarlane started the new Image Comics is that and that's where Spawn yes was initially created right because uh, when I was into it it was uh, Venom right was yeah. His, his uh big character artwork, right and yep. i think it was maybe issue 299 and 300 of spider-man would have been around where this, uh, came torment was that the the run yeah the i think so yeah there was the famous there were earlier like play. there was a black costume that spider-man had back in from like 252 or something like that i think it mm. was and then there was like the secret wars stuff with him now that wasn't todd mcfarland's art i don't believe I'm not, I, I'm, I'm not entirely familiar. honestly you're like a you're a you're a bigger fan than me of this like my background is more in the <laughs> i love the collecting side of it i like the yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the three i so i guess a little background <laughs> on me like i love the 3d side of all this stuff right like, right I mean, on oh it's super cool yeah mm-hmm. uh i guess my background in game development working like on that kind of stuff so that's like where i come into this and i get super excited right. but it's like in my time working in this space i've become super excited and fascinated by the whole like the the comic the comic book audience and the collectors who are there who have been there since like for a long time it's just like there's such a there's such a like a passion for it and also Mm -hmm. like there's something about like if you've never like a lot of there's i'm surprised at how many people like still have not actually really looked at a comic book before and just when Mm -hmm. you open them up they're visually stunning like the the especially now where the art is like the art is so good now there's so much thought and effort and quality putting it put into these stories that quite frankly too few people are reading and i think that's Mm. like it's 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 interesting yeah it is you know it's somehow there was always this kind of stigma at least when i was a kid of like oh you know are you really reading like you need to read a book not you know say a graphic (laughs) novel or whatever it's like but the art's so cool you know what i mean like the art's a big part of it you know and and it it conveys the story it's like yeah pictures worth the, I can't it's such a cliche pictures worth a thousand words but yeah it conveys so much you can get so much information across and so much like emotion and feeling across with the art absolutely yeah so I was kind of browsing around on the uh, Todd McFarland toys.com and digging around to find these announcements and uh, you've got this whole collection coming out I think it's spawn the redeemer and uh, clown I believe are the Correct, three yeah. Right, the three major characters that are going to be released for the digital collectible, like initial release, which I think yeah. is December first. Is that accurate? Yeah. So what we're doing for this is, uh, I guess, a little context. Uh, McFarland Toys Digital. We're launching this as a new digital collecting platform. Um, our first drop is going to be these three Spawn characters. So Spawn, the Redeemer, and uh, and the Clown, um, and they each have two different. Uh, uh, two different colorways on them so there's like a spawn and then there's like a bloody variant of spawns and with, mm, cloud, mm-hmm. with different like where he's got like different guns on him and then we're doing is there that violator thing the giant yeah huge monstrous thing is there a digital of that as well um uh not yet <laughs> not yet okay <laughs> i was gonna say it's, 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 
yeah that's got we're, we're trying to talk only about the specific pieces we're coming out now there's i mean people are looking <laughs> the rumor mill is definitely starting around the other pieces that we're doing obviously 30 year history working not just with spawn but with a bunch of like pretty much sure. every license licensor under the sun building really high quality toys for them people are like mm -hmm. is this coming is that coming like Every single license that we've had, we've heard it like, and and like we we cover a lot of ground, like everything from obviously Spawn, and then like the other like superhero stuff with DC, uh, mm -hmm. Disney, tons of anime properties, like the big four sports leagues, uh, gaming properties, um, other film properties, and then even like when you go into a, like our our back catalog, like we have third again thirty years of content going back. There's like even stuff that like hasn't even entered the space yet. like I, for me one of the things i'm really excited about is like the potential of like music properties because we did some really exciting mm. like music like music and band related pieces back in the day and so it's like i'm excited to like bring that forward because that's a big part of our platform is both doing the putting out the stuff that we're doing that we're releasing now in terms of like having physical digital pieces, whether they're released pack in or like the physical and digital releasing same time, same place, same price, um, as well as like digital only re-releases of our legacy stuff that we, cause there's a lot of that stuff and we, and it would be really cool to bring those forward because we never remake a physical piece. So right. this is a chance for those, a lot of that stuff to make its like first appearance in the digital space. I see. Interesting. So, I mean, you are kind of pairing up the digital with a physical to some limited edition extent, correct? Yes. Um, for this first drop, this first drop is unique in the sense that we wanted to treat it kind of, uh, kind of as an onboarding for our physical collectors, because mm -hmm. this is, if you're a digital collector, like you're already familiar with some of the rules of the space, rules with the NFT space around like, you have to have your own wallet, you have to connect it, you have to top it up in order to make the purchases. That process, if you've never been in the space, is complicated to learn. Um, there are mm -hmm. good resources out there, but it still takes time. And the challenge is if we, we, we worried that if we came out with a digital only drop, they, the physical collector would just be completely left in the dust because sure. it's just, it's too complicated to get into. And we're not going to be able to onboard them that quickly by going with a physical drop. We're basically, we're not doing a digital only release of this drop. It's going to be, you buy physical um, using the, so we have two codes on the website. If you use digital and a cart worth a, a hundred dollar more cart on the website and use the code digital at checkout, we will give you first of all, 5% off your on your order, as well as one of the, uh, col digital collectibles from this collection. So it gives you time to make the purchase. Then you have basically the whole month of November to connect your wallet and work with us to set that up and like enter the ecosystem that way. And then on December first, we will airdrop all those collectibles to the to the people to the uh, people who made that purchase. Okay, so essentially you're you're throwing it in as an add-on for people who want the physical. Yeah, and it's about again, it's like comes back to that education and that onboarding into digital collecting, and yep. into that idea of. Um, it, it again, it like it increases the timeline a little bit that the collectible the collection goes out. And it mm -hmm. also allows us to uh, to increase improve that onboarding time. And it also 
starts building the mindset that this is a val we're adding value as opposed to like some separate thing that you have to go buy if you don't see the value yet we're giving it kind of as a bonus so that people feel like they're they're buying this the physicals they were going to get anyway and they're getting this as a bonus on top of it so they can start seeing the value that the space has again it's like all about like educating the physical audience obviously mm -hmm. we have a large digital digital audience that we can reach to who are also getting in on this but we're making them go through the same process as well because again we want them to get excited about the physical side because that yeah. is that's McFarland's uh, McFarland toys bread and butter is the physical side we're entering this new digital space yeah 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 so I mean you're working with Rarible on yes. this and I mean when I first got into the whole NFT scene Rarible was the first place that I minted because it was the most user-friendly. It was the easiest yes. to use. It was the easiest on-ramp and it was the most accessible. So it makes sense to me that you would work with Rarible of all of the companies out there in terms of just making it easier for people to uh, get involved with it. You know, So is that part of the strategy is working with them on the onboarding process? Like, How does that work? Yeah. So even the, all the way down to the place where you uh, send us the wallet, because basically we're connecting your order to the email you use on that order. And then our, and then on the Rarible side, we have the wallet connected to the email. And so it's like A equals B equals C. We can connect through, see who everybody's wallet is, make those connections. Um, Rarible has been, is is building a white label, uh, is building a marketplace for us, white label that we come the McFarland Toys digital marketplace. Um right. And so all our pieces will be uh, able to be bought, sold, and traded there, as well as they can be uh, bought, sold, and traded directly on the Rarible site or any Polygon-supported platform. We built it to be marketplace interoperable. But we honestly, we love working with Rarible. They were one of the first partners that like, we reached out to a bunch of different chains, chains a bunch of different partners in the space to see who mm -hmm. was um, basically who would be interested in working with us. And they were super excited about it first of all they're huge collectors they're super passionate about mm -hmm. the space as well big fans of like what we do already so that already just made it like a natural fit we got along with them right from the beginning on that but also like i mean it's the second largest ethereum marketplace or like or sure. i guess evm based marketplace so they have great reach they care about the product they i agree their tech is really good from a user onboarding standpoint i think their platform is really accessible so mm -hmm. it just like ticked, it just ticked all these boxes that made sense for us to uh, build on their platform and build with them. And also like our business is content and experience and we want to focus on that and their business is these marketplace platforms. So might as well let someone who's one of the best in the world at this handle that side of the development so we can focus on what we're the best on. So that's another, like there's a, there's a, like a, I guess synergy, I guess that comes from that. That is way too corporate a term. I regret even using Symbiosis, it. maybe. Right, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> it's the right <laughs> term though. No, it is the right term. You know, the other thing about it that I looking at, you know, the Todd McFarlane Toys website and just looking at how beautifully detailed, you know, these sculptures are. And often in the, you know, the NFT space over the last few years, you see kind of like not quite the same level of quality when it's coming yes. over to the to the nft side but when i look at like the spawn launch series like it's freaking awesome the 3d work that's gone into that like it looks amazing the clown one is just crazy it's awesome first right? of all thank like, you so much <laughs> i appreciate it because like for me like my background comes from like 
uh art production for for games yeah. in like the triple a space okay. so like for me like my whole mindset has been like first of all we have a quality bar that our audience expects from mcfarland mm-hmm. toys like we have to meet or exceed the quality bar that you see from our physical toys and our physical toys are super super high detailed but at the end of the day it's still painted plastic um mm-hmm. in the digital space we can push that further with more like more like material work in terms of like if something's metal or for example on the like the redeemer figure where he's wearing that like bronzish kind of armor on the blue suit like that bronze if it was a toy it would be painted plastic to color a bronze painted plastic here we can actually give it that kind of specularity Mm -hmm. that like bronze actually has so being in the digital space allows us to do to push these figures even further they're all based off the original physical toy Sure, and like we're using the this this exact same like physical model that we use to basically do all the all the tooling for the injection molds to make all the all the plastic. Um, we use uh-huh. that same model to then turn it into something that can run in our ecosystem in our uh, in our viewer app that we're building on our platform. And I, to your point about the quality, we are from in my mind like we're trying to target a true like. Uh, like we're we're launching first, and this is unique for the space. We're launching first on PC, and we're going to be coming to other platforms like that first before going to the uh, lower end platforms because we want to set the quality bar as high as we possibly can. From a when you're making this kind of art, it's a lot easier to hit the high quality bar and then scale it down. Um, mm. If you make something to the low quality bar and then try to scale it up, you're effectively rebuilding everything. You can't really sure. do it. So building it this way allows us to first of all make these assets a lot more scalable in the long run but also allows to really push what good looks like in the space and because we think beyond the accessibility of the content the quality of the content is another thing that's kind of keeping that's kept um traditional collectors or traditional fans of this ip away like if you're uh-huh. used to seeing this is it weird if you if you're used to seeing um marvel characters in the mcu or you're used to seeing like batman characters or like dc characters in like the arkham games or gotham knights or any of these triple a titles that are coming out where that's where you're used to that's the quality bar you're used to right that audience is not going to accept uh, in, to be frank that audience is not going to accept the low-res glb or GLB file or like a mobile level asset. They've even yep. been primed. If you think about the mobile gaming space, they've been primed to think that mobile assets are free, that they're not worth anything because all that all that content is ostensibly free to them. We we have to break through that and quality is one of the ways to do that. Um, that's mm. like, because and like when I say it's free, it means what I mean, what I mean is like they don't really value it. Um, so I don't think there's value in doing I don't think there's as much value, I should say, in doing mobile quality. We have to go mm-hmm. higher than that. And of course, mm-hmm. supporting it, but knowing that you have that higher quality asset, I think is a big part of it as well. Right. Quick break here to talk to you about the Heather Parody Podcast. I've known Heather since her time with NFTs for Newbies, and now she's doing a new podcast, exploring the stories of professional creatives, artists, and entrepreneurs, finding out what it takes to make a living doing the things you love and carving your own path. Check it out. Now, for me, a lot of the fun of collectibles, like if I remember, you know, collecting, I had the G.I. Joes and the Star Wars and all those, you know, part of the fun of it 
was now i was the type that was the collector like put it away safely keep it in a box yeah but then you got the other collector <laughs> right you've got the other collector who's like put it all on display i want to like gallery you know in my basement of all my stuff and i want to posed and all that you know and one of the things with these todd mcfarland toys that i've noticed is the level of detail that goes into their ability to be posed you know like 22 articulating you know joints and stuff like that right and is that something that gets carried over into the digital collectibles in one way or another, where are you able to display them? I know there's gallery elements, but are there elements of you know, alterability to them or things mm. like that? Um, so what I will say is we're, uh, first of all, on a gallery level, we are building like a full space that you can display these in. And again, right. it's designed to run right now, standalone PC and coming to other, and will come to other platforms in the future. The idea of Can you just have you a have gallery a that's a closet it. with a bunch of boxes and you just, you know, <laughs> where it's going to be there. They're nobody can see them. Actually, for the inbox collector, <laughs> this is the fantasy of, oh, I get to play with it without damaging it yeah. because it's a digital asset. You can't damn it. You can't, you can't bang them to, you could actually like, you can't bang them together and actually scratch right. them. Like, you can't do that. I want a gallery box. that's just like a closet with a bunch of boxes in it that you can't see. And just them. really cluttered, like they're piled on top of each other. <laughs> other you can't see the shoe There's just shoe it. boxes and crap yeah. right yeah, yeah. treadmill actually, like you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> I think be, and like it feels like kind of hilariously on brand to a lot of like physical collecting so i think people yeah. would people would it's one of those things i think people would like it as a joke but would they actually use it as a feature <laughs> no no they'd be like come check out my gallery you know just all this stuff just piled up there no we want to we, we're providing tools that allow you to build and arrange and kind of curate your 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 collection as nicely as possible we're also building social features that allow you other people to visit and see your gallery so you don't have to invite them over to your house to see your cluttered right closet. yeah they can just go into your gallery um yeah. to your point about the posability figure it's one of the first it's one of the first things that the team got really excited about in the space um we are really excited about building it and won't be there at launch but it mm -hmm, is something mm -hmm. that we are very excited about and and yeah, part and it's also cool. like without going too much into this um all these pieces have to be built so we can like build them and pose them and they have a ranking system built into that with it which is the process that you use in digital like 3d animation uh where you basically when you have like you create a character and then you put an armature effectively underneath that underneath that character and it has a bunch of points that you can then bend in order to mm -hmm, rank and pose mm -hmm. that that physical shape of the character um, we have to build those into all these characters so that we can put them in their initial pose in the gallery um, and then like animate them or whatever we're doing with the asset um, to open up that tool set to a user who's never used a 3D rigging system, which by the way, rigging is complicated. Like there's a whole, yeah. like, we have like, there's a whole, like in, in game development, we have the full, and like, it's true in like film, like film VFX production as well. Like you have artists whose entire job is rigging figures. Or sure. like, or like tech artists who like do tech art is basically engineer, like artists who are also engineers and do a bit of like, they build tools usually for artists, but they're basically engineers who do some of this artwork and that could include rigging. So it's complicated. So figure out how we build a system that not only enables, like, like ex basically enables other users to use the rigging system that we have, but in a way that's user-friendly is going uh -huh. to be like, there's a design challenge there, but it is something uh -huh. we're like super excited about. Cause it's like one of the coolest things about the McFarlane figures is the fact that a lot of them are posable. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Although I think there could be a market for, you know, people who leave them in the digital box, so to speak. Yeah, or leave them in the who, stock pose. Yeah. Compared to those who take them out and play with them. And like, could that possibly be something that in the future people are like, oh, well, see, this one's still like in like mint condition Thanks. in its box. This one's been played with. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think there's kind also of something all that. And also like, I mean, the beauty of the blockchain is like all that history, at least the collector yeah. history from wallet to wallet exists. Um, it brings up a really interesting idea of like, can you, is there a way to like attach to that, uh, to that token ID, the like the usage history of the asset right. beyond yes. just the, like the ownership history of the asset. So, mm-hmm. uh, see, like, this is why keep, I love Did you keep like, it in that closet with the boxes the whole time and just store it away? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> This is like, but this is also why I love like conversations like, cause like I've talked, like talking with other people in the digital collecting space, talking with the fandom, like getting, jumping into Twitter spaces, what have you. It's like, I get inspired and excited by other people's ideas. Cause like what that is like, I haven't heard that one before, but I think it's a really (laughs) cool idea. Like I would love, like if we can build usage history into this stuff along with the ownership history, like, so which is, yeah, that would be really cool. Well, I mean, there's other mechanics, like I know on the wax platform um you could do things where you could combine certain yeah. cards you know so you could combine them and it would result in something more rare sometimes or whatever you know but you've seen that with things like i don't know crypto kitties or whatever i i know spawn you, you can breed your your character no, yeah like, we, we, we're gonna build a whole spot like it's gonna be a whole the whole spawn, spawn demer yeah spawn <laughs> <laughs> there you go spawn or like some sort of weird breeding where you bring them together and crypto kitties but with some crypto spawns where they come yeah. out and it's like different. okay we might be going too far now this is a little much yeah it's a <laughs> let's again it's let's like talk a gamification idea. a little bit more though because yeah. i know that is in the works what do you have in mind so uh, i will say what we're going to launch with is a, a xp system where basically everything you're we okay. want to reward it, for me, it all comes back to like, what's the outcome we're trying to achieve? And for me, it's like, how do you make this stuff as engaging and as fun as possible? How do you make the collecting experience as engaging yep. and fun? So what we're starting with is basically system of like objectives and rewards. And it and it's starting simple. It's going to start with basically you earn XP for around the, your collection in terms of what you're doing with the collection and also how you're interacting with that collection within our viewer app. Um, and then and using some of the features in there. And we will then reward players with more XP. The, the more, the more obviously, the more collectibles they have, the more they're engaging with them, the more they're using the system. And that mm-hmm. XP leads to rewards, for example, like in the future, exclusive exclusive drops, exclu- or early access to drops, that kind of thing, where that's kind of the platform level that we're thinking about. We're also thinking of like inter-collection and then like cross-collection um, utilities and like in gamification in the sense that like, I think the one people are used to seeing is like, if you have a collection, you get more stuff for having the collection or access to other things, whether it's like airdrops or like exclusive ability to buy the next piece or what have you. Like that stuff is interesting to us where it gets more fun is when one thing feeds into the next, where it's like this collection feeds across to this collection, let's feed across to this one. And we can build that like trail to keep people engaged. Obviously, on top of that, I look at all these other features that we're talking about, the idea of like posability. Uh, we talk a lot about like synchronous multiplayer, the idea that you and I could have our own collections. We can pull them together and build a shared gallery space to, like mm, together. Uh-huh. Um, mm-hmm. Other ways to like more deeply and more further customize what we what we have in our collection. Like to me, that's all that's all play. 
And where that becomes a game is when you get rewarded for that action. And so our goal is to kind of build that objectives and rewards layer on top of the play patterns and the play systems that we're building into the ecosystem. Uh uh Yeah, I'm just looking at the McFarlane site and it reminds me because a lot of it is DC content on here. Um, Reminds me, did you ever play DC Universe, the MMO? Uh, Briefly, yes, I I did. I and a few friends, we played together in that game and we loved it. We played it for, I don't know how many hours. But anyway, um, it made me think about this must be in the works. Maybe not now, but in the, maybe, I don't know if you can drop this alpha or not. But I'm just (laughs) thinking, okay, if you took a game like that and you hooked up your Polygon wallet somehow and you defeated whoever in the game, and you got rewards. And you get a digital collectible for it. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. that has to be a massive possibility in the gaming scene. I would, so I would love that. And I think that also addresses one of the, I mean, this is not like, uh, I guess to preface all this, like this, we are, we do not think of this as being in the, like the, like right now, the, like necess- we're not in the, we're not an NFT game in that sense. We think about gamification right. in terms of building systems of play. Um, mm-hmm. And we're certainly not in that like play, we don't think like play to earn, but I think about this space a lot. And I think there's a lot mm-hmm. of untapped potential in that. Um, that is a really interesting application of how you build, uh, how you build NFTs and digital collecting into existing uh, games in a way that isn't disruptive to whatever the game has going on. Right. Because one of the, like, my, yeah, you like, don't want it to become I, something where the person runs rampant over everybody because they bought the thousand dollar. Of course, yeah. So that's yeah. like, uh, like the thing that's uh, people think that the thing. I think there's a misconception that the thing that's stopping NFTs from appearing in games is a technical problem. It isn't. These like mm-hmm. these studios that are building these games can outbuild and outspend anybody in the NFT sure. space right now. They're massive. Like. Uh, I worked at Riot for three years. The League of Legends core game team that builds League of Legends is over 500 people, and they're all extremely experienced engineers, artists, designers, producers, product managers, QA, what have you. Like, that's bigger than any NFT game that's out there. And they're small com- compared when you compare them to the Fortnite team or the Call of Duty team or the Grand Theft Auto team, like where, sure. where they have over a thousand people working on that. But it still caliber. doesn't really compare to the IP power of, you know, no, Spawn, McFarlane. I mean, no, but IP like what they though. have is like what they lack in that IP power they have in this like strong, super strong sure. engagement loops that keep people hooked. Like, I mean, I, I love Call of Duty as an example. Call of Duty as an IP doesn't really have a strong voice, but what it does have is really strong gameplay that keeps people coming mm-hmm, back. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and like, I guess to use your, I'll, I'll bar, like to use your DC Universe example, or if like if there was a game that rewarded into it, that game has an ecosystem that's working and NFTs and their current state are very disruptive to that. Right. Um, so integrating them in becomes really difficult. However, having the integration come out of that system and basically right. get a piece of that experience somewhere else actually is great for that game because it expands its reach. Um, it gives people a new way to play, a whole new audience that would be interested in playing it in order to achieve this asset. So it actually makes a lot of sense to me from a like from a user acquisition and from a like an audience reach perspective. So I think there's like that is a really interesting potential like solution and like 
I mean, my background in gaming, I would love to be the one to support that for whoever's working on something out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess you always run into the issue. This goes as far back, like you mentioned, World of Warcraft, further back yeah. than that, you know, I think of EverQuest, whatever. It, you get back to that, you know, there's people who are just like farmers, right? Like they yeah. literally just go into these games and farm and ruin the economy potentially, right? Yeah. So, I mean, that kind of stuff has to be dealt with, I'm sure, extremely carefully. It's funny you mentioned Call of Duty. That's the first game that, that's the game that Red Ring of Light, my oh, Xbox Red, got the Red oh, Ring of Light Red playing Ring Call of Duty. <laughs> Red Ring of Death, sorry, Red Ring of yeah. Death. That was Call of Duty that did that to my Xbox yeah. back in the day. Well, they do push those systems, but uh, yeah, no, it's like, so what, and what you're hinting at is this thing I've heard it described like called the, the best in slot problem. And this is, to me, this is the fundamental mm. problem that NFTs and games would face, which is this idea that, and we faced it already all the time on content we were building at Riot. For So for example, like the best in slot problem is this idea that people tend to view with whatever monetized slot you have in the game. So like in the example of League of Legends, like a character in their skin. Like that's like for each character, they have like a skin that they can wear. And that's like a slot that can be that we we would sell content against. In on any character, we would have a piece of, con we would put out a skin and then whatever the next skin was had to be better than the skins that came before. Because if it's not better, people and better is right. obviously perception of the audience. If the audience doesn't perceive it as better, they're not going to go buy it because they're not going to. There's one that they perceive as the best and the next one has to be better in order for them to go into it. So we inherently have the scope creep problem where every piece of content that comes in has to be better than the one that came before, which just means skins just over time get more and more expensive and complicated to develop. Um, every game solves this problem differently and some of them do it in a brilliant ways. League of Legends, it's really simple. They just keep adding characters and creating new slots. With yes. a game like it's more uh, about breadth, right? Rather than yeah, like, they just keep going wider. Lots of variety. Right? Yeah, and uh, with uh, Fortnite, they have like all these partnerships with uh, all these other brands that they're working with, and sure. stuff is very flavor of the moment. And they like they hype it up, and then when it's gone, it's gone. And so where they yeah. they don't ration content by like quantity or by basically going so wide that each lane effectively becomes rare and exclusive because there's so many different lanes they ration by time and then yeah. my favorite example is like a game like fifa where it's like they don't even fifa doesn't even refresh the slot uh, free fifa doesn't sell you new content they just sell you a new game and that inherently flushes all the slots out and now you have to go refill the slots like they are selling you on emptying the slots to get back on and this is why people get so mad at those sports games <laughs> but it is a kind of brilliant model NFTs have this permanence to them and this inherent interoperability that makes them like older pieces are more valuable than newer ones right, a lot of sure. the time. And when your older piece as an NFT is inherently more valuable, you're never going to buy the new content. And it gets even worse if like someone else builds the piece you really like and then they bring it into your game. And that game is like now has to deal with that because it's like the best piece of content is something you bought somewhere else, but they have to pay to support it. This is the problem that NFTs have getting into games at least from the traditional side now i think it's a solvable problem but it is a large business model one that needs to be solved i think what you propose the idea of like earning something in the game that you could use in the larger ecosystem actually is a smart move to get around this problem because now it's something that we can give it as a reward and you can use it in our ecosystem and you can use it in the larger larger interoperable ecosystem but it's not destroying the long-term health of the game if that makes sense right absolutely it's just something that's like you know i think of a game like overwatch 
you know, yeah. and you get like this awesome whatever skin and you're like, yes, that's so cool. You know, it'd be cool to take that and put it on display in a gallery. Do you know what I mean? Of like, course. Yeah. Right. And that's like, I think that's healthier. That's healthier for both the gallery because they want, they need content for you to be able to display in it and healthier for the game because they're not trying to fight with this whole like, the, these like this they're not trying to fight against this best in slot problem they don't want to be like none of these guys want to be in, in an antagonistic relationship with their audience they want to no. make something mm-hmm. that their audience loves and their audience is excited about and this would be a way to serve that without it ruining kind of what they're like kind of what their how their systems work now so mm-hmm. I think you just solved NFT gaming. So this was a productive conversation. Yep. <laughs> Hopefully people who are in the right places were listening. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was looking at this, uh, you know, in terms of how many of these pieces are being minted. And it made me curious, you know, for example, your spawn trash throne, it says the first edition, there will be 2,400 mints. And then for the spawn trash throne bloody variant, it's going to be more rare, the legendary 400 mints, right? Um, how is that carrying over to the physical side? Like how many of these physical editions are actually going to be created? Is that a limited edition thing or do they just get made, you know, to a certain so demand? McFarlane generally has a policy of we never, like once we do a, a piece, like a manufacturing run on a piece, we don't revisit it. Like it's like, okay. I just wondered done, if maybe, done, you know, done. if there was enough demand, you'd like re-release something or. No, we, and okay. like, that's like, again, I feel like that's kind of counter to some of the like, first of all some of the what people want in the space but it's also like it's kind of counter to like a lot of collecting like rarity is important collecting yeah sure of course i think there's a lot more we can do than just creating things that are more rare i mean but like our i guess what i should say is our larger philosophy in terms of how we're going to be releasing this because we're building it as a platform where we can release more stuff but Mm -hmm. we want to put out like for us any like around 5,000 pieces for a drop and do a drop like once every two weeks, like compared to the the space, like that spreads out the drop rate. Um, we think to a healthy amount, it means we're only, we're putting out uh, about a hundred thousand pieces a year, as opposed to like a lot of other people in the space who are putting out millions of pieces a year. Right. Um, so we think it's a little bit of a healthier, um, a, a healthier rate of release. It also gives all our pieces time to like breathe and like actually experience the market where you're not like just slamming, where you're either not just slamming people with pieces like every couple of days or having massive drops like every couple of weeks or like every couple of months where basically all of a sudden there's like 500,000 new pieces in the ecosystem. Um, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. we think this rate of release is going to be healthy and it's also reflexive of the physical side um for like the only things that'll be larger than that would be if we had a really popular that a piece that we knew was going to be really popular that was having a physical digital like pack and run so like if a really large piece for example had a run of 25 30,000 pieces and we promised pack in we can't promise that on the box and then say oh well there's only 5,000 actually (laughs) of course we have to actually honor that um but if we do like day and date releases where we have like a physical piece and the digital version going out at the same day there's no reason why we can't reduce like have like if there's like fifteen thousand of the physical we can do 5k or less of the digital because they don't Mm -hmm. like they don't need that match up one-to-one if that makes sense and you don't want to be insolvent with your digital collectibles yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) get a bank run on the collectibles exactly exactly (laughs) here we are post ftx oh, world still talk, i didn't want to talk about, about ftx but you know, know. <laughs> it's a pretty pretty traumatic situation right now so it's crazy anyway that's not yep. what this is about <laughs> yeah 
Yeah. No, I mean, the, the thing about something like this is, you know, this kind of, it doesn't really matter what's going on in the market because you're tapping into something that collectors are just interested in regardless of what's happening in, you know, this particular market, right? It's, it's all, it's more about the other side of it, the fact that it's spawn and then it's, you know, redeemer and clown and, yeah. you know, they want to be a part of that. So um, with that, can you talk price point at all? Like if you, you, I'm assuming you can just buy the digital if you wanted to, correct? Um, For this drop, no. So the way okay. that we're- Oh, so they're all paired. Okay. Uh, Well, again, this drop, because we're doing it based off, if you spend a hundred dollars on the store, it's not to a specific piece. So it's, it's value oh, add okay. to a large purchase. This is unique to this drop. What we're going to do going forward is there will be paired. Um, uh -huh. And the idea is if it's packing- It'll be like, if it's packing, there'll be a slight premium on those pieces compared to if it was uh, like physical only, like we'd normally do. But um, our goal is price mm -hmm. parity across the board. Because again, this comes back okay. to this idea of quality and, and also value. I think that people are, we we need to prove the quality in the space and prove the value mm -hmm. in the space to physical collectors. So a big part, like if a piece retails for uh, $19.99 for the physical piece, the digital is going to be the same price. Like we're going to price them everything's going to be the same. Um, and then like for the digital only, the idea is that they will be priced based off what their like original retail price is. Not like if that piece is like, if that piece is pumped in the aftermarket, we uh -huh. don't, I don't think we want to price it to whatever it's pumped to. We want to price it. Like it's a, it's a, it's a legacy piece re-releasing as if it was like a, like as a digital release based off what we think would be fair pricing if it were releasing today, uh -huh. like on our primary market. So for us, I, I guess the long and short of it is we're trying to achieve price parity from physical to digital. Okay. And yeah, it's scratch. Parity. It's scratching that nostalgic itch, just looking through these oh, statues yeah. and you know, the, there's this new black Adam one by Jim Lee. That's just, yeah. Well, cool. oh, the black Adam line, like the, I mean, my favorite of that, it's more expensive, but the big resin cast, uh, oh, okay. statue. That mm -hmm. one is like, it's so super cool. So what do those go for? The big ones? I think that big one is one twenty. Oh, okay. Oh, that's that's still pretty cast. reasonable. I would have yeah. expected it to be more. And that's like the physical resin cast version of it. Okay. Okay. Huh. Wow. And then there are, are a... smaller, and then there are cheaper ones, like cheaper Black Adam figures at lower price points. I think we also have a, uh, um, who's the, uh, a Doctor Fate. I think we did another a big resin okay. cast Doctor Fate. That one's also really cool. Are you excited about any in particular upcoming releases? I'm talking now just of the whole McFarlane. Oh, you know, I mean, just like stuff. Are I'm, there any ones like, that you're I'm like, a oh, big, yeah. I'm a yeah i'm like i'm a dc fan i'm a gaming oh fan. yeah like mm -hmm. all the gaming ip stuff um so i mean it's i don't know how much i'm allowed to speak to whether it's been announced or not <laughs> <laughs> so i'm trying to like so there's a little bit of like okay what can i talk about that i'm excited about for me i'm i mean obviously i'm most excited on this digital side and what we can bring i'm excited about what we're doing on the physical side and seeing how it translates to the digital and people being able to see that for some of our upcoming pieces across a lot mm -hmm. of these IPs. So now just browsing on the site. Sorry, I'm interrupting you. Oh yeah, no worries. Yeah. Just browsing on the site. I was noticing that there's uh tribute cover NFTs. There's a spawn issue 301. Have you seen this? This, this is on a uh, oddkey.com. Oh, are you aware? Is... Yeah. So oddkey is a, uh is a um 
oh, they'll be able, they would be able to describe it better than I would. Um, it's a, <laughs> it's a, it's another McFarlane uh, NFT project that's related to like okay. art working with artists and like art and covers like that. So they're, uh, they're, so they're doing similar stuff in terms of putting out like animated covers in the two D in like more two D pieces. Okay. Um, uh, this is on Solana. Yeah, so they're on Solana with that. We do have one of the things we have on the on the McFarlane toy side is we have a whole line called Page Punchers, which is basically you get a comic book and it's paired with a, a three inch or some of them have seven inch figures. And so that's oh, like okay. where we have like some of that like comic book paired with figure kind of bringing those together. So it's like, I mean, I mean, obviously it's all related to the like the McFarlane comic universe, RMCU. Um <laughs> Isn't that uh, wild? No, like, having this, having sorry, I'm interrupting you. Go ahead. Oh no, no, I was, I was just like, I was just rambling, <laughs> like waxing poetic yeah. about these different things that I'm excited. I but just, like, there's just so much content with all these awesome IPs, and it's like uh, we're just really excited to bring it all over. Like, I mean, here I'll even, we'll just go straight to the collection. This is going to be bad for audio, but like, I have a. Uh, if you're watching this audio only, only you're probably not going to know. But like, so I have like a Doom Slayer figure that we did because uh, okay, I'm a sweet. big fan of these games. Uh, we've got the. Uh, the Batman year two back here, which is one of like one of the gold label figures, one of like the iconic kind of grail figures of McFarlane. Um, I've got spun on the trash throne. So it's like, I'm excited for the stuff that's like in IP that I love. So I love DC stuff. I love gaming stuff, especially like the doom stuff. Um, I've got more stuff on the floor back there. I see it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it, I was going to say, isn't it wild? It feels to me like basically your job is like, you know, this childhood fantasy. A little bit, yeah. The 12-year-old <laughs> me would be really excited about what I do. Um, yeah, more, I have more stuff on the floor over Like there. just seeing you <laughs> smiling I mean, as you're talking right, about it, right? What? Yeah, just seeing you smiling as you're talking yeah. about it. And... <laughs> yeah, I've got like, yeah, it's like, it's just, it's just for me, like the, what's the dream of this is to be able to work with all these amazing IPs and basically mm -hmm. working with not just the IP themselves, but also the creators at the at the companies and at the on the teams that manage these IP, in order to make something awesome for them that we can release through this platform. So that's like half of why I love this. The other half is like we have an awesome. I mean, in order to achieve this quality bar, we've had to bring on basically AAA game dev teams uh, in order sure. to create all this art and all this content and build this platform. And so building and leading that team has also been exciting. And we get to bring it all together in this exciting new platform that everybody's engaging in. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, That's yeah, I mean, awesome. it's hard to yeah. point to one thing I'm excited for. It's yeah. more just like the whole <laughs> ecosystem finally coming together that gets yeah. me the most excited. Very cool. I can just picture a point in time where, you know, maybe you do pick up a, you know, a McFarlane toy at, say, Target, you know, yeah. and it has like a little thing in it that you QR code like or whatever, it, and you redeem yeah. it for a, for a, digital collectible and it's you know that user friendliness that you know we're kind of hoping everybody works towards in the industry you know i i would love to get to that like we've already been talking about how we do how we pull that off mm -hmm. um the i will say the biggest challenge with it is and this goes to like this is like almost like putting this out there i would love to see if someone finds a way to solve this problem which is how do i get set it up so I can have one of these pieces on the shelf uh, in a store and like have like, yeah, if there's an RFID inside it or like an, or like I, I guess an NFC chip that you could scan that would work or a QR code that you can scan, like that works, but it has to be in the package. 
And yep. how do I serve the in-package collector who doesn't want to open their box while still mm -hmm. giving them access to that code? So it basically comes a problem of like, how do you like turn that code on or off at certain times, like once it's sold? And that requires almost tapping into the, the retailer's POS system or whoever like we're partnering with. So it's a much more complex, it seems like a simple problem. It's actually quite a complicated one to solve for. Right. But like, I mean, that's the dream of like, this is the way that we get this is the way that you get NFTs in Walmart and Target across the mm -hmm. nation and then the world and all, all our retailers and suppliers. Like that is the thing, the problem that needs to be solved. Um, and there, I, we've seen some technologies and some solutions for it. And it's like something that we like, we definitely want to get in. Cause with they're like a big, obviously we have a lot of big retail, retail partners that we sure, have. Of course. Yeah. So yeah, it's definitely something that's exciting. I just picture something like, you know, how gift cards, you activate them at the register when you purchase it or whatever, you know, like yeah. there's some kind of activation of it or something. I don't know. I mean, I'm I mean, no it's an interesting in idea. And then, but it requires like, now you have <clears> to do that gift card activation and then have a talk. You to could a, see like, a people yeah. abusing it too. You of course. See people yeah. Going in the store and activating them all and stealing all the NFTs yeah, or whatever. Exactly. <laughs> like, I mean, the one thing you don't want to have is like, they go in the store, they activate it. They get the NFT and then they walk back in and try to return it too. Like that's <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. it's no, it's true. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a complicated problem for sure. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, very, but yeah, I just you know I love how they've carried over the the quality of the the statues, let's call them the figures, into the 3D and into the 3D space and just maintain that same level of quality. It's very cool. Yeah, it's been awesome. a, like a big focus of ours. It's yeah. that quality bar. That's awesome. Well, hey, thank you so much, Trevor, for spending this time with me. And it's really interesting. And it was fun just to kind of, you know, as I was researching this, remember some of my favorite comics and uh, kind of stroll down memory lane with it a little bit. So that's very yeah. cool, too. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. This was I mean, this was really fun. As I was saying before, sorry, this is the first time I've been like on a podcast talking about it like that. I've done like things with a couple of the influencers in the digital collecting space that I know, but this mm -hmm. is like so I really appreciate the opportunity to come on and talk about what we're doing and yeah, happy to like, happy to share more whenever. Cause this is like, we're like, I like that we're both like super passionate about this space and coming to it from different angles. And it's always fun to talk to people about this when they're that passionate about it. Yeah. Right on. Awesome. Thank you so much, Trevor. Cool. Thank you. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode of NFP with Decline, please like and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks again for listening to the Non-Fungible Podcast. See you again soon.